You're listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author Sarah Box, where you get the inside scoop on the steps action takers and decision makers take to align their purpose to their principles and achieve their goals in business and life. We focus on the mantra, no labels, no limits, no excuses. Each week, you'll hear from remarkable guests who have overcome challenges and obstacles to succeed in the face of adversity. By listening to their stories, you'll get practical tips, tools, and resources you can implement today to bust through your own internalized prisons of worry and doubt. And now, without further ado, please welcome your commanding coach with plenty of chutzpah and heart, Sarah Box. Welcome to this episode of the No Labels, No Limits podcast, a podcast all about helping action takers and decision makers like you align their purpose to their principles and achieve their goals in business and life. Hi, I'm Sarah from Sarah Box Coaching and Consulting. I'm an executive leadership coach and consultant, former executive director, and the best-selling author of The Changemaker Ripple Effect, a book about how one person's drive, purpose, and boldness can impact thousands. And I'm here to tell you that the life you want is possible with the right support, mindset, and strategy. On today's podcast, we are joined by Melissa Snow. Melissa is a certified life coach, who helps women improve their relationships, starting with the one they have with themselves. She's an international speaker and the author of 10 Secrets to Having the Love You Want. She's a frequent contributor on Bustle and Mind Body Green and has been featured on multiple podcasts, including Embracing Intensity, Journey of Hope, Dare to Be Authentic, and Build a Life After Loss. Melissa is passionate about helping women learn to love and value themselves so they don't have to rely on other people to do the show, so they don't have to rely on other people to show them their worth. She lives in Colorado Springs, Colorado with her boyfriend, two cats, and one very spoiled black lab. And boy, can I relate to that. In this episode, you will hear how Melissa overcame a label that brought with it a lot of limiting beliefs. And you'll hear how you can do the same in your life. You will learn what the statement, I have everything else figured out in my life except just isn't true. Now let's welcome our guest, Melissa. Melissa, hi, how are you? Hi, Sarah. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm I'm really great. I've been excited to have you on the show. And now, before we dive in, I know some of the stuff we're going to talk about, but before we dive into it, the audience and I want to know what is one non-negotiable ritual you do every day that keeps you heading toward your big vision? You know, I think my answer is a little bit opposite of most people. What they think is like ambitious and go-getter is like, I have to spend at least 30 minutes in bed before I get up. And I want to be that person that's like, no, I wake up, I jump out of bed, I go for a run and I do all the things. But I, every single day, spend at least 30 minutes in bed after I wake up just thinking about what do I have going on today? What am I hoping to get out of the things that I have going on today? 
how do I want to feel about the things that I have going on today? And then what do I need to think in order to feel that way? And that just kind of gets me like in the mindset where then I am ready to jump up and go do all of the things. But I have to spend that 30 minutes in bed first. What's funny about that to me, Melissa, is what you do in bed in 30 minutes is what people do when they jump up, get dressed, and then they sit down somewhere else to do that. So you're just yeah, doing it just from the comfort of bed. <laughs> Hey, so let's start. You have a really interesting background, and I'm wondering if you could share a little bit about that and actually what brought you or how that brought you to the work that you're doing today. Yeah, absolutely. So I spent most of my 20s not really realizing that I was creating a lot of the situations that were happening for me, specifically in relationships. I was dating men who were married to someone else. I was dating men who weren't all that nice to me. I was dating men who were sometimes nice to me and that was good enough. And I was willing to settle and overlook the times that they weren't that nice. And, you know, my relationship track record just was not good. And I, I didn't have great self-esteem. I didn't know my own worth. I didn't love and value myself nearly as much as I do now. And I didn't realize that until I reached what was rock bottom for me. So in 2008, I was a high school English teacher and I had what at the time I considered a relationship with one of my students. And he was 17 and I was 27. And I say at the time I believed it was a relationship because now what I can see is that I just was so desperate to feel better about myself, so desperate to feel worthy and good enough and valuable and important and loved that I didn't really care where I got that need met as long as I had someone who was making me feel that way. And so I used this boy to get that need met. And what I realized after reaching that point in my own life and my own mass destruction was that I really needed to figure out how to give myself all of the things that I was looking to a relationship to give to me. I was always looking to a man to make me feel better about myself and like I was worthy and enough. And what I really needed to do was figure out my own worth and my own enoughness and my own value first before I even tried to get into a relationship with someone else. And so now what I do is I coach women who are just like I used to be, who are dating the same man over and over again in a different body, repeating the same patterns, getting in their own way over and over again. And I help them to um, figure out what it is that they are hoping to get from relationship and then how to give that to themselves so that they can then go into a relationship as a happy, healthy, and whole person. So Melissa, what was the label that you had to overcome? Was that a um, self-imposed label or? Both. I mean, I, I did get caught. I was arrested. So I became a convicted felon. I am still a registered sex offender. And those, both of those labels carry some huge weight with them and a lot of judgment from a lot of people. So part of it is overcoming those outside labels and what people think about you when you have one of those labels. And then there was another part of it that was just me coming to terms with labels I had given myself, that I had decided that this was unforgivable, that because I'd made this choice and done this thing to my life, that I could never be happy again. I could never be successful. I would never find love. And I really believed that was true for years and years. And 
that held me back from everything that I wanted in life. And it was actually a life coach who is the one who told me, you know, the problem for you now is not what you did to this boy. The problem now is the story that you continue to tell yourself over and over again about what that means about you and what that means about the life that you can have. And that was the first time I realized that I had a choice in those labels and those limiting beliefs. So what steps did you take for yourself? And then I want to talk about kind of the things that are coming up for the folks you're working with now, because I I know our times, what we say, these are interesting times. These are really evolving and quickly changing times. So yeah. So going back to that, how did you proceed? You had a coach that told you that, but then personally, what were the kinds of things you had to do or decisions you had to make? Do you remember that? I do. I mean, I definitely had to get to a point where I was ready to stop blaming other people, stop being the victim, stop making excuses and justifying my behaviors. And I wish I could say it took five minutes to get to that point. It took years. <laughs> but, you know, so that was the first step is really just getting to that point that was like, this has all gone wrong and I'm taking responsibility for all of it. And I clearly need somebody to help me figure out how to move forward from this. And so that was the first step for me. And then it takes a lot of work to overcome those limiting beliefs. And, um, you know, in therapy, we've referred to them as negative core beliefs, like the things that you come to believe about yourself, about the world, about men, about love. And some of these beliefs have been in you since you were six years old. And so for me, then trying to change these beliefs that had been so strongly ingrained in me for 20, 25 years, it took a lot of practice and it still takes a lot of practice. And, you know, on days when everything is great and everything seems to be going right and I'm getting along with my boyfriend and my business seems to be doing really well and everything is great, it's much easier to overcome those limiting beliefs. They don't even really come out anymore. But on days when I'm really struggling, which I feel like for me and a lot of people is a lot more lately, that's when this stuff comes starts to come up to the surface of like, I knew this wasn't, wasn't going to work. I... I know I don't deserve to be happy. This, everything is terrible. Like all of these things start coming back. And so it still is a very conscious practice of overcoming those limiting beliefs on a daily basis. That's a big part of what I do in bed every morning. That's powerful because I, I think there's this hope. It's like you have a headache. You want to take an aspirin and have the headache be gone, right? Yep. When, you know, you can do that, but you'll be keep doing that unless you can figure out the root cause or what's like, what are you, what am I doing to create the head headache? Because there's oftentimes a, a responsibility, right? If it's right. not something physical. So I'm wondering, I'm wondering then given that and what you've been coaching people with lately, and I'm thinking within the last three or four weeks with all of the changes and people being now being put in their homes with very little outlet. Um, what's coming up for folks and what are the things you're doing to help them through that? Yeah, so I I coach women who are struggling with their relationships. Um, and sometimes these are women who are married and sometimes these are women who are single, but they don't really wanna be. Um, and sometimes they're women who are 
in some stage of dating. And so there's different things that are coming up for different people at different stages. Um, I have clients who are married to husbands that they um, are not really loving being married with. And now they are trapped in a home with this man and they don't have a lot of the usual distractions that they have um, in regular life, which I put in air quotes and people listening can't see that. Um, And so they're really kind of having to face things about their relationship that they never had to face before. And same with the women I coach who are dating. Um, You know, they're seeing that some of these relationships that they thought were based on something really deep and really true and really going somewhere. Well, now that you can't see each other in person, you can't go out and do fun things, you can't uh, go to bars and drink together, you can't have sex and Now, if we take all of that stuff out, we're seeing what's left of the relationship. And for a lot of women, they're going, wait a second, I thought there was more than this that would be left. And so then you add on top of that, that we all have this like financial stress. We all have this fear and uncertainty. A lot of us are dealing with grief and loss and our partners are not showing up for us the way that we hoped that they would. And so there's a lot of stuff happening right now that is not typical for people in relationships. There's nowhere to run and hide when you face yourself. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. And this is really tough for the women I call runners. Like those are the ones that like, if we're having an argument, I'm out of here. Or if you make me mad, I'm going to my sister's house or, you know, whatever it is. It's like, there's nowhere to run. (laughs) Those are those difficult pieces are often like the breakthrough moments too. Yeah. Because there's that sense of, okay, as soon as this is over, man, I'm making a change or I'm making it now because I don't have to see this person. We can have a conversation and just be done. Um, yeah. And that's not that easy to do, right? right? So I'm wondering if you can talk about the whole communication piece of it, Melissa, because I see that that's a huge, that's really a big part of what you're, talking about here when you someone doesn't show up for you or you know there's a distraction or some external thing that's keeping you together does do you end up working on communication and what you're trying to get through to somebody or them to you or how do you work with that yeah absolutely I mean there's a lot of communication comes into our relationships very significantly anyway And now with the state of the world today, there's a lot of stuff that women want to be able to communicate with their partners about. They want to be able to communicate their fears, their uncertainty, their grief, you know, whatever it is. And a lot of what I work with women on is not necessarily like communication skills, but what is underneath your ability or your lack of ability to communicate, right? Because there's some feeling that you're having, there's some feeling that you are afraid of, and underneath those feelings that you are either looking for or avoiding are thoughts that you're having. You're not opening up to your partner because you have the thought, I can't trust him, or he's not going to listen to me, or he's going to think I'm ridiculous, or whatever it is. And so what I really work with women on is not necessarily like, here's how to be assertive and here's how to do active listening, like communication skills type stuff, but it's more like, 
what's underneath, like what's coming up for you that's keeping you from showing up in your relationship and communicating in a very honest and open way. And then let's look at that. Because if you're having the thought, I can't trust him, or he's not going to listen to me, or he's going to think that I'm ridiculous if I share this fear with him, there's something underneath that for you that's not about him. And that's what we really work on is what are those thoughts and beliefs that you're having that are then showing up in the way that you're communicating with your partner. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. Tired of feeling stuck and ending with the same result? Want to know how Sarah can help you with one-on-one or organizational coaching? Then book your free discovery call at sarahbox.com forward slash contact. Now back to the show. So pretend you've got someone that you work with who's having that challenge and not knowing how to... um, begin a conversation that may feel really vulnerable to them. What are a couple of the things that they could do that are both honoring themselves and their needs, as well as trying to reach a little bit further and stretch themselves so they can decide what what they need even more? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think one of the big things that I work with my clients on towards the beginning is getting comfortable with their emotions and feeling their feelings. Because if you look at a situation where you are afraid to share something with your partner, what is it that you're really afraid of? You're afraid of whatever emotion is going to come up for you, depending on how he responds. So you are thinking, I'm afraid to share this with him because he might think I'm ridiculous and then I'm going to feel stupid. I'm going to feel unintelligent. I'm going to feel insignificant, whatever it is. Really what's underneath all of this is if you're afraid of a feeling. And I say that to my clients a lot, like what is the worst thing that's going to happen? You're going to feel a feeling, right? And so the more comfortable my clients can get with feeling feelings and realizing I can feel any of these feelings and I can give those feelings as much or as little power as I want over me. And it's safe and okay for me to feel these feelings and they're not just going to like completely destroy me. Then that takes a lot of the fear out of that communication because they realize my feelings are up to me and I can handle whatever feeling I have. And so it becomes a lot less scary to communicate. So that would be one of my, one of my big tips is getting more comfortable with emotions and what they feel like and labeling them and understanding that you have a choice in your emotions um, and really looking at what is creating those emotions for you. And then the other thing too, is like you and I talked about this a little bit before we got on is like, sometimes you just have to jump. Sometimes we, (laughs) I joke because my boyfriend and I are so different. Like I'm the one who we get to the cliff and I just like run and jump off. And I'm like, something's going to catch me. It's going to be fine. And then he's the one who stands at the top of the cliff and is like trying to calculate how far down it is. And maybe I can get down this other way. But if I jump, here's the 10 ways it could go wrong. And I have a solution for all of them. Like that is him. And sometimes there is a place for that. And sometimes you just have to jump because like you said, a lot of it could be based on assumptions and you're never going to know unless you jump and find out what happens. I couldn't agree more. I'm only laughing because there's times where I, I think I could be your boyfriend. It's like, um, Melissa, just 
five more minutes. I just want to see. And I will always go forward, but I just want to have know like, okay, what is the likelihood? You know? Right. No, we need to have like five backup plans and then five backup plans for each backup plan. <laughs> but, but don't count on them. I mean, I like to know that they're there, but then I'm thinking, I don't want to count on them because then I'm not going to go anywhere. I'm going to go. I have to wait until I know more. It's like, you have to go because you won't know anymore until you start. Right. And I yeah. know that's been true for me. I mean, I've had some mentors and bosses in my life who have, um, and one in particular when I was in my early 20s, and I just, something seemed so scary to have to communicate to somebody. And I said, and I knew I had to give really bad information to someone who was probably three decades older than me, military background. And so here I'm this, you know, 24 year old girl. That's his thing. And I have to basically tell him, you've got this much rope left before they're going to can you, right? And this guy's a little scary and I really like him, right? So yeah. all that stuff, like I don't, I don't want to be a jerk, blah, blah, blah. My boss says, well, first of all, this isn't about you. It's not even about him. He knows. He, this is not a surprise. You're just going to have a conversation. And he goes, come with me. And I watched this. I thought, oh, my God, it's magic. This is not magic. I like him. But he needs this information so he can be successful. And yeah. take, don't assume he's going to do something just because you see him act that way with other people. And yeah. I, But it was such a... I really just ripped band-aids off my assumptions, right? Totally. And then I had to like step up and I'm thinking, okay, you can't act like the excuse of being young or new or all that stuff. It's like, what do you really want here out of this conversation or communication? And your examples at home are the same thing. It's like, oh, I don't want to say that because this will be that. I'm going, who cares? You know, right. how much power do I want to give to that? So, right. but it is not easy. That's the thing too, is that you have to think about like, who do you want to be in this relationship? How do you want to show up in this relationship? Like an example I use with my clients a lot is like, I go to in-person networking events a lot and I appear as if I am an extrovert, but I am not. And so I show up to these networking events and I'm in the parking lot and I'm like, why am I doing this? I have to walk into this group of a whole bunch of people I don't know. Everybody probably knows each other. Everybody's going to look at me like, what are you doing here? Who's that girl? Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, that creates so many like yucky feelings for me. And that's not who I want to walk into that networking event as. I want to walk into that networking event as someone who is confident, someone who's certain, someone who is friendly, someone who people want to know. And so what I need to do before I even walk in is to change my thoughts so that I can walk in as that confident, friendly person. And it works the same in your relationships. It's like if you want to show up in your relationship with authenticity and honesty and integrity, then you have to do the work on your own thoughts and your own emotions to show up in your relationship as a person with honesty and integrity and authenticity. And that can only come from you. Like clients come to me so often wanting to complain about how their husband's not honest and he doesn't have integrity and he doesn't do this and this. And then we look at them and it's like, well, did you tell him that that's how you felt? Well, no. Well, then you're not showing up to this relationship with honesty and integrity either. So that's a huge part of it too, is like, who do you want to be in this 
relationship? Or who do you want to be at work? You know, in your story, it's like, did you want to be this little timid, like, I'm not a leader. I don't know how to talk to people about stuff. I'm scared person. Or did you want to be the person that's like, yes, we're here to do a job. I'm here to support you. I'm here to help you. And sometimes it's going to hurt, but it's all for the good of the team. And I feel confident in that, you know, and the, the choice is yours about who you want to show up as. We just don't always realize the choice is ours. Well, and it's easier to make it about somebody else, right? It's easy oh, to say, sure. if my boss did this, or if this person did that, or if my husband did this, it's like, if, 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 but if they did that, you might just find something else to complain about. Right. So I love how you talk about that. Who do you want to be to show up? And um, as a fellow introvert who acts like an extrovert, I totally get it. I'm thinking, okay, but I will tell you, this is a little weird tip I got when I was maybe like 28 or 29. And I was just so nervous because I had to teach, right? This, and it was like, you couldn't hide in this teaching. It was group, you're leading it, you're teaching it, full contact stuff. And and I'm thinking, I don't know these people. This is the first day. I'm so nervous. And this gal told me, she says, well, think about it this way. Everybody here who is here to learn from you, because it was very vulnerable kind of stuff. She goes, they're scared. So why don't you walk in there and pretend you're the host of the party and make your job making them comfortable. And you'll forget that you're scared. Yes. And so now I do that. I walk in, I'm thinking someone else here is just as nervous as me. I'm just going to go say, hey. Totally. Um, I do that a lot. Yeah, it helps because it takes you out of your head and starts going, okay, it's a question. It's who do you want to show up is really what you're having to answer. And in that case, she says, just show up as the host and take, take a chill pill. So right. Anyway, let's talk about your book. Will you talk a little bit about that? Because I think that sounds extremely interesting. What the premise of it is, how people can use it. Yeah. So would you do that? Yeah, because when so, you, people do want those secrets to getting what they want, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> of course. So my book is called The 10 Secrets to Having the Love That You Want. And really it is, I've toyed with the idea of changing the name because I'm not about helping you find a relationship. Like I'm not one of those coaches who's like, let me revise your online dating profile and let's do a new photo shoot. And let me tell you how to be more attractive to men. Like that is not what I'm about in the least. I believe that if you do the work on yourself and you become a happy and whole person, you are going to attract the exact same energy that you're putting out into the world. I think you do the work on yourself, you learn to love yourself and everything else will fall into place. So that's really what the book is about. It's just, you know, doing the work on yourself to realize that you are creating your own reality. You are creating this own your own situation and you are attracting exactly what you think you deserve. And then obviously that's only helpful if I then take you a step farther to, great, I accept that. What do I do about it? So um, the book touches on a lot of different things. Um, it touches on things that women typically get confused for love, like sex is not love, fear is not love, commitment is not love. We talk about how to become a healthier and more whole person, how to love and value yourself before you expect someone else to do it. 
Um, there's a lot in the book about boundaries, which I think is a huge part of relationships of any kind of relationships, whether it's romantic or work or friendships or with your family. Um, and there's a lot, boundaries are, can be very complicated. So there's a lot in there that's not always talked about when we talk about boundaries. So, you know, there's, I can't give all the secrets away, <laughs> but uh, that's, that's generally the premise of the book is just like, how do you get your own stuff figured out before you try to have a relationship? I do, I know you don't want to give away your secrets, but I <laughs> want you to define something for me. Okay. Yeah. Because I, it's one of those words that I've heard people use in different ways. So just so that I know I'm hearing it in the way that you mean it, will you describe what boundaries mean in the way that you use it in your book? Yeah. So the easiest way that I teach people about boundaries is boundaries is how you show other people, this is how you can treat me. And also how you show other people how they can expect to be treated by you. So the simplest way that I have my clients start out with setting boundaries is just finishing the sentence, I'm willing to, or I'm not willing to. And that was kind of how I started practicing when I first started practicing with boundaries is just like, there are certain things that you are going to be okay with. And there are certain things that you are never under any circumstances going to be okay with. Like, I am willing to hold hands with my boyfriend in public. I am not willing to make out with him in public. And the thing about boundaries is they get complicated because there's no right or wrong. There's no, like, you can't, I can't make a list of boundaries and then you copy it. Like that's, that's not going to work. I don't have the answers. There are just certain things that are okay with me that might not be okay with other people. And also boundaries change depending on the role that you're playing, right? Because my boundaries with my five-year-old niece are very different than my boundaries with my client, which are very different than my boundaries with my boyfriend. So they can get really complicated because they're unique, because they're fluid, because they can change. But really the bottom line of boundaries um, in the sense of how I'm talking about them is really how you show people how they can treat you and how they can expect to be treated by you. What's okay with you and what isn't. So I, I want to wrap up with, and this, I am asking for some free coaching for everybody who's listening right now. I'm going to be real honest about it because you gave the example of being, and I'm using the word stuck. You didn't say that, but I'm saying yeah. stuck in the same physical location, either with one or multiple people. And, Honestly, if that's not your norm and you're used to be out and about during the day working or whatever and getting feedback and other things, it's stressful or it can be stressful. So can you talk about maybe one or two simple things in relationship, maybe even around boundaries to help that be smoother, not just for the individual, but to maybe even model your own boundaries or things so other people can also take it down a notch while we all go through this together. Yes, absolutely. Gosh, I had like 20 things pop into my head. So let me try to narrow this down into like two minutes. <laughs> you know, at the beginning of the year, I chose a word for the year, which I'd never done before. Um, and I chose possibility. And <laughs> this is not at all what I had in mind. So <laughs> my word for the last couple weeks has been grace. And what I mean by that is just like, trying to be patient and understanding of the fact that we are all having thoughts, we are all having feelings, we are all going through things and trying to not only give 
the man who lives in my home grace, but also to give myself grace that it's okay to not be okay. It's okay that I snapped at him when I didn't mean to. It's okay that my fuse is shorter than it usually is. Like all of this is okay because we're all going through an experience together, right? And I think also like the boundary of being able to set aside time for yourself and to take that time that you need is super important, especially for women, especially for moms, especially now for working moms who are now mom, wife, business owner or employee, and also homeschool advisor. (laughs) And it's like, where in all of that is time for me to just be me? And I think now more than ever, it's important for us to like, even if it's just, I need 10 minutes to lay in bed. Can you please keep the kids downstairs and entertain them for 10 minutes? Or I'm going to go take a walk around the block. I'm not taking anyone with me except the dog. I just need this time for my own self to take some deep breaths and to be me without having to be mom, homeschool, supervisor, employee, wife. And I think it can be really challenging, especially during a time like this, where we feel like everybody needs something for, from us to be able to say, listen, I need something too. But I think that now more than ever, that's incredibly important that we do that for ourselves. I couldn't agree more. And I just consider it an act of bravery. Yes. I do. It's important for every reason that you just described. It's important. And it, it's so self-respectful to do that. Yeah. And of the other people too. I mean, it goes back to like, who do you want to be showing up into these relationships as? And if it takes you a 20 minute walk around the block to be able to come home and come back as the more relaxed, more fun, more patient mom, then everybody wants you to go take that 20 minute walk around the block. They would much rather you do that. And your husband would much rather entertain the kids for those 20 minutes than to continue living with mom on her last nerve. (laughs) Absolutely. So you're doing yourself a favor, but you're also doing those around you a favor. Self-care is not selfish. Absolutely not. It is not. And you're absolutely right. People are glad when you take care of yourself because then you are more fully yourself or you can be. So absolutely. Melissa, um, I know you have a gift for people watching or watching, listening. I'm watching you, but um, they'll be (laughs) listening to you. So I know you have a gift. Can you talk about that? And then we'll wrap up the show. Yeah. So anybody who's listening, who's interested in getting my book um, can go to my website and put in their name and their email and the book will get sent to them for free. So my website is Melissa M. Snow, M as in Melissa. Um, dot com, melissamsnow.com. And a little pop-up will come up. You just put in your name and your email and my book will get sent to you for free. Um, you can also send me an email if you're interested in scheduling um, a free discovery session. And we can just talk more in detail about anything that you and I have talked about today, anything that's coming up for your listeners specifically in their relationships right now um, that they are having a hard time with. And see where they're at, where they want to be, and how I might be able to help them. That's a really generous offer. So thanks on both fronts for that. And we'll put that information in the notes so that people can quickly find it or refer back to it. So Melissa, thanks so much for being a guest on the show and for making me laugh earlier. (laughs) We need it, don't we? We do need it. (laughs) 
been listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author, change agent and strategic vision coach, Sarah Box. You can grab the show notes and find out how to work with Sarah at sarahbox.com forward slash no labels, no limits podcast. We'd love this podcast to reach as many people as possible. So please remember to rate, leave a five-star review and share the podcast with someone you think would get value from this conversation. Until next time, keep taking those daily action steps to align your purpose to your principles and achieve your goals in business and life.